Sometimes I like to get some advice from some professional podcasters. And you know what? And sometimes they even offer the advice, even without me sending them a tweet. They just, they just simply offer it. But this advice came from kind of like a friend online. He does a, a podcast. And this friend is making close to a half a million dollars from his show. And so, you know, naturally I asked him, how is he doing it? Because most podcasters, they hardly make anything at all. But he's making a half a million. So I said, well, do you have any kind of a sponsor deals? Because I don't hear any sponsors on, on your show. And he said, no, no, he doesn't have any sponsor deals. So I said, okay, well, come on. Like, like, how are you making all this money? He said that it's from all of his supporters on Patreon and Buy Me a Coffee, those type of places. They're just giving this guy a, a whole bunch of money for his show. So I listened to the show and uh, to be honest with you, it's not the greatest show. I'm going to give you a little, a little bit of a sample here of Luke's show affirmations from an average dude. Well, you know, like sometimes when you look at yourself in the mirror, you got to say to yourself, I'm worthy. You know, you know, like, like I need some respect. And then you got to go out there and you got to, you got to hold up your head high and demand that kind of respect. Huh? You got to demand it. Right? So what you need to do, you got to get your chest out. I know it's going to look weird when you're looking yourself in the mirror. You're going to look like you're some kind of bizarre creature. But this method I'm going to show you works. So stick your chest out. Uh, look at yourself down the eye and say, I am worth it. I am a worth it, damn it. And I'm going to show the world how much I'm worth it. So that's what you need to do. You need to go out there today and, uh, you know, like knock him dead. If you could listen to that, that's a sample of his show. I'm going to try it here. And I, I spoke to him the other day ago about how he's getting donations and things like that. And he said that you have to really, really heap it on with, with a lot of emotions. I'm going to take Luke's advice. But first of all, I need some sentimental music. All right, okay, that's better. You have come a long way, my listener. You have listened to so many episodes of my show. Now it's time to look deep into your heart, into your wallet. For less than a cup of coffee, you can give to this needy podcaster. You can make his travels lighter and freer and also to appease your conscience. I've been doing this night and day through sleet and snow and hail and pestilence and violence. I've been here for you. So please give whatever you can to Poetic Earthlings through the Buy Me A Coffee. You could go to Buy Me A Coffee slash Poetic Earthlings to give. All of the details is on the website and also within the show notes. So how was that? It felt a little bit weird. So 
but there you go. I mean, Luke is doing it. He has like a half a million dollars per year. So hopefully this will give you some kind of incentive to give to the show. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, please go back and give it a listen. It's called Elon Musk and the End of the World. And also, I was interviewed not too long ago on a podcast called The First Episode Of. That's hosted by W. Keith Timms. Poetic Earthlings is the creation of York Campbell, an anthology of short fiction, social commentary, satire, and introspection. All right, then. Here's the show. Just the other day ago, I turned the big 5-0. I know that this day will eventually arrive, but it still kind of caught me off guard. It feels that I was just 20 years old around the corner. I mean, time really, really goes by extremely fast. What did I do for my birthday? My sweet wife, she... She cooked up some ackee and sawfish with green bananas. If you're not Jamaican or if you, if you don't have any Jamaican friends, probably that just went right over your head. I mean, it's, but it's my favorite dish. And how does it feel to be 50? So far, not too bad. I mean, at least I'm the same age as, mm, say, for instance, Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's 50 years old as well. At least we share that in common. I, I don't share his, his, his billions of dollars, but at least we share the glorified feeling of, of being 50 years old. Today, I'm going to talk about lived experience. And I could talk about this for quite a while because I have 50 years of this so-called lived experience. I could speak to younger people of, of what it's like to pick yourself up when you've been knocked down, and a whole bunch of other experiences through life. But the phrase lift experience, we're going to poke a hole at this, and we're going to figure out what that means, because when I was growing up, we didn't use this phrase. In fact, this is a new phrase. Lived experience means an individual's personal experience with oppression. In particular, it means a member of a minority group's experience with being discriminated against. Members of a majority group cannot talk about their lived experience because they have not been oppressed. We've had the, the phrase, I've, I have experience at this, and etc., those type of things. But lived experience is a little bit different. And it kind of took me a while to get my, to get my, my hand around it. When they say lived experience, they mean that no one else outside of their group, outside of their ethnicity, their upbringing, could possibly fully appreciate or understand what they've been through. And they take that even one step further. They say that if you are not of a particular ethnicity, then you have no right to speak on behalf of that ethnicity or nationality. Here's an example. I was born in Jamaica. I could say that, well, this is my lived experience, so I'm qualified 
to write about everything or anything Jamaica-related. Or, currently, I live in Canada. I was raised up in Canada. So I could say, I'm qualified to write about Canada. And no one else outside of Canada or no one else that's not Jamaican, they can't touch these two topics. I think that's ridiculous. We've been writing cultures ever since the beginning of time. We've been writing about other people's cultures. That's, how, that's what we do as writers, as creators. I write about Chinese people and people from Iraq and all different cultures. I'm not from China, but it doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to write about it. I'm not from Russia, but it doesn't mean I can't have Russian characters in my stories. Of course I can. Remember the movie Ten Commandments? This is a classic. This is one of my favorite movies. It's a story about the Jewish liberation from slavery. The lead character in this movie is Charlton Heston. He's not a Jew, but he did such a good job in that movie. And some critics will look at that and say, how come they couldn't find a Jewish lead character? Why, isn't there any Jews that's not fitting or of that caliber to play the role? I guess that's a good point. They, they could have went out of their way to find a Jew to play the role. But it was still a good movie. A lot of people loved it. Remember the other movie, Amistad? This movie came out around, I think it was around 1997. It's another slavery movie, but this one is about African slaves revolting on a slave ship. And lo and behold, it was not directed by an African. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. The Spielberg. The, you know, the one that gave you E.T. And all the other classic movies. Somebody may think, and they may say, well, wouldn't it have been better if it was written by an African? Because they have the lived experience. I do grant you that if it was written by an African, they may have put in some, some details and, and felt more emotionally connected. There's always that argument. I'm not saying that there is no argument to be made of living those experiences. There is. There's some details that could be put into the book or into the movie. But it doesn't mean that because Spielberg is not African that he's not allowed to direct that movie. And it doesn't mean that because you may not be Jamaican that you're not allowed to write a book with Jamaican characters. Of course you are. This is what we do as writers, as creators. As an example, I wrote a thriller about rednecks in the Dirty South. I was very careful, however, not to project stereotypes. I was very sensitive of every single character in that book. You could say, well, I don't have that lived experience, so how could I write about it? Well, they are fellow humans, right? 
we share, we occupy this planet. As long as I'm sensitive to the material, then I feel that I could speak on this topic. I really believe that it takes empathy to save the species. It really does. We need to be empathetic. And when we write our material, that's how we could be. We could look at people from different cultures. It, it actually helps us tremendously to understand somebody. I know that it helps me. With all of the episodes that I've created, it helps me to understand my neighbors better so that I don't judge them just based on their religion or based on their ethnicity, based on their skin color. If I were to only write about my experience, my Canadian or Jamaican upbringing, that would be very limiting. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be for you if you only are allowed to write about your so-called lived experience and you can't do anything else? It has to only be about that. It's not just limiting in terms of your creativity, but also your empathy. You'll be detached from people. It will be isolating. And that type of isolation, it creates division. And division creates ignorance. And ignorance, well, that could definitely create hatred. So we have to be careful about that. We have to, what I call, poke a hole in that phrase of lived experience. We're writers. We're creators. We could expand and we could bring people to the table. We could bring humanity together. I believe so. Let's not be conditioned or programmed with every new phrase. There's always going to be a new phrase. We always need to think objectively about these new phrases. Does it make sense? Is it feasible? So that's all I have for today. I thank you very, very much for listening to the behind the scenes episodes. This is totally unscripted. Nothing is written down. And this is just me talking to you and how I process my stories and think about characters. And if you are a writer, I want to hear from you. Please reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is Poetic Earthling. And let me know what you think about the behind the scenes episodes. I know there are a little bit different from, from the regular show. I'm still writing season five. I am a slow writer. It's going to take me a while. But I hope that you've gotten something out of this. And if this show gives you value, please return the value by buying me a coffee. All the details is on the show notes or on my website, poeticearthlings.com. Thank you to my big brother, Elvis. This is York, south of the 49th parallel. Remember, show compassion to your fellow human. And I'll talk to you soon. Poetic Earthlings. Poked a hole in my juice box.